Y'all see my new glasses? I got new spectacles. I went in there because I've been like 28 years in those other ones or something, long time. And, uh, and I said, I want the latest and the greatest. And you could tell they were looking at me like, you are old. What are you talking about? You are old. I said, ah, I want the latest and the greatest. I'm going to get me a new me. I'm, I'm going to be broadcast. I'm going to be, I got to get a new me. So this is what they said was the latest and the greatest. And then we got new lights. So then if you didn't see me before, you're good. Anyway, we're doing stuff. We got us a new wall. We got us new signs everywhere. And that's just the beginning. We are, we, this city has been given to us. Not just like we're going after it. It's been given to us and we are possessing it. And they want us to possess it. They don't know that, but they want us to, to demonstrate this gospel. They want it. And we're, we're going to deliver. We're going to deliver. And here it is in chapter 15 of Romans. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Look in verse 18. Um, now, this is in a long discourse, so it doesn't, it's a little out of context. He says, for I will not dare to speak of any of those things which Christ hath not wrought by me to make the Gentiles obedient by word and deed. So he's talking about his calling to the Gentiles. And he said, to make, them, to make the Gentiles obedient, you're going to have to come up with more than just preaching. You're going to have to do some demonstrations. And then he says in verse 19, through mighty signs and wonders. Wow, mighty signs. Not just a little, and I don't want to characterize what's mighty and not mighty, but just, just getting your headache to go from a 10 to an 8 or a 7 or a 4 might not be mighty in some people's minds. But he said mighty. Like, I'm just thinking like cancer was there and... You prayed, you you spoke to it, and the next day they went and they said it's gone. That would be, I'd say, pretty mighty, or or whatever. Through mighty signs and wonders, wonders, wonders. I don't even know what all that means, but I can probably fill it in and say it's pretty spectacular. By the power of the Spirit of God, so that from Jerusalem and around about until Illyricum, that word there, I have fully, fully preached the gospel of Christ. Say fully preached. Now here we have the definition of fully preached. It's not just up here saying, well, you know, I'm fully preaching. I'm preaching all about it. He said there will be demonstrations, signs, and wonders that have to accompany your preaching. So... Now, I can't do that. What, what, what are you going to do? He's got to give it to us. We have to lay hands on somebody or speak to something, but he's got to back us up. In other words, if he says this is how it's done, he's got to give us the how it's done. He's got to follow through. When we step out, he's got to back us up. So, you know, the first time we came to Alabama, we saw it on the back of a pickup truck, an old Ford pickup truck, and it was this wide. It said, ain't scared. <laughs> I'll never forget it. I said, Debbie, what has God done? What has he done? Ain't scared. What is that? Oh, no, ain't scared. 
Ah, oh, never. It was in big. Ain't scared. Well, we got to be ain't scared. We got to be ain't scared. We got to step out and say, you know, this isn't me anyway. What do I care? This isn't me. If he does it, yay. If he doesn't do it, I didn't claim to be the doer of it anyway. Ain't scared. So uh, he said, I have fully preached the gospel of Christ. So we ask again, like I did last week, what is the greatest thing in your life right now? Except for little Sophia this morning, who's not, she's not real old yet. Praise, old enough. But how, what's the rest of you? What do we want to do with our life? And she does too, but I'm just saying We've all been through that stage. What do you want to do? I want to do. I want to demonstrate the gospel. That's what I really want to do. Yeah, I want to go to the beach, and yes, I love the mountains, and yeah, let's get a motorcycle. No, let's not get a motorcycle. Been there, done that. Let, what do you really want to do with your life? Not really what you're doing. I mean, you want to go to work and make money and you know eat at the steakhouse and stuff like that, but the next morning it's over. The next morning, that little thing has passed, and you can you know, ah, three more pounds. What's that all about? None of that is really what we want to do. It's just what we're doing until we can do what we want to do. What we want to do is we want to be a demonstrator of the gospel. We want to fully preach the gospel. I, I know that's what's inside of all of us. That's what's inside of it. Nothing would make you happier than if you could say, if, if we said, if you'll go to the mall today and just, and just, Five people. God will demonstrate in five people, the first five, you'd go. Yeah, I mean, if we had a, a money-back guarantee that it would happen, you'd go. You'd go because that would be the funnest thing you can do. I've done it, and it's the funnest thing I've ever done. And uh, turn with me to John. So we're John chapter 14. So there's nothing more fun in your life. And I'm talking fun. It means satisfying and fulfilling. Love gives. For God so loved, He gave. And when you give out of love, the gospel, and you change somebody's wretched life to something wonderful, you are blessed. Chapter 14, verse 11, it says, here's the Lord Jesus. We're just, we're just stepping in this discourse again. It says, believe me that I am in the Father, and the Father in me. Apparently, that's important. To believe me that I am in the Father, and the Father in me, or else believe me for the very work's sake. So he's saying, I'm going to do things that will make you believe that the Father's in me, that we're connected, and that I'm in him. I'm going to do things. You can believe me by faith, or you can believe me by sight. Then he went on and said, uh, and whatsoever ye, excuse me, verse 12, Verily, verily, I say unto you, he that believeth on me, either by the word or by seeing the demonstration, the works that I do shall he do also. That word works there is the word that's translated from miraculous works. So the miraculous works that I do shall he do also. And then here, we looked at this last week. And greater works than these shall he do. Amazing. Greater works than Jesus. A lot of people have commented on that, said, well, it's the new birth. And yeah, it's 
the fullness of the Holy Ghost, whatever. He said greater works. Well, okay, get off of that controversy and just say what he really said, the works I do. Just start out with the works I do. You'll be okay. You'll be happy for a while. You'll say, that's, that's enough for me. And then if he wants to bring more than he did to you, don't get in a fuss. Don't get in a, in a, in a tiff over what does this mean. Just, just go back to what you can believe. Greater work, he says, and the works I do, ye shall do. These hands are supernatural. You got some supernatural hands on you this morning? Ah, the power of God comes out of these hands. And they're just waiting for an opportunity. I don't know why, but you can't just aim them out there at the city. You know, all of us just beam it out there and say, okay, they're all going to be healed. But there's no doubt when faith is released, when you put these hands on somebody, the power of God is transferred. That's what we want. You can say, I want a new car, I want a new house on the lake. Yeah, okay, that's, that's this part. This is your body, that's your soul. But the deep man that cries the deep inside wants to put these hands on somebody and see him walk and see him see and hear him hear. That's what we want. After that, you just say, I want to stay here and do that until I can go to heaven. There's nothing else to do. It'll just, it'll just cut off all this fooling around that we all do in the world while we're waiting on the things of God. In Matthew chapter 22, I know you know all this. I'm not bringing you anything new. Here in River Church, we've been talking about this for just practically decades, since you can say two is a, is a decades. Well, we've been doing it for 20 years, but it'll, we need to stay stirred up. It says in chapter 22 of Matthew, verse 14, read it with me. The last, uh, These are the words of the Lord Jesus. Ready, read. For many are called, but few are chosen. Let's read it again. For many are called, but few are chosen. Well, there's a lot of different translations for that, but I can tell you, at least we know, that many are called from heaven. But why would few be chosen? Why would God say, I've called this people, but I can't choose them? I've called them and I've empowered them, but I cannot choose them to come into their place. Well, it'd have to be that they're not qualified. In other words, they haven't received their calling. No, Lord, I'm not doing that. I'm a Methodist, or I'm a Presbyterian, or I'm an Episcopal, or whatever you are, or you know, whatever people are, and say, we don't do that. Well, we got to take that off. If that limits us, we got to get rid of that label, don't we? If, if being Episcopalian says you can't do the gospel, then that label is a hindrance to the gospel. It's wrong, because this is right. And there's no, there's no Methodist or Baptist or Catholic in here. It's just the church. He said, he said, many are called, but few qualify for that calling. Or few, few are chosen. I can't choose everybody to go do it because they won't, they won't get saved. They won't get filled with the Holy Ghost. Oh, I don't want that Holy Ghost. Yeah, you do. Yeah, you do. You're just scared. Got to be ain't scared. <laughs> you got to you got to be like, I'm going to heaven someday, and it's all up there. Let's let's put it on down here, where it'll do some good. So, uh, Ezekiel twenty two thirty says, "I sought for a man 
You know, and it talks about to stand in the gap and to do this and that. He said, but I couldn't find anybody. Lord, here am I, send me. How many of y'all would say that? Here am I, send me. Lord, I'm, I don't really get it. I don't really understand it. I've never, you know, this is a little scary, but Lord, I'm, send me. I want to not leave this life and get up there and be with all the folks that says, yeah, we believe that Bible, and it worked just like the Bible says. And, and they look at you and me and say, you didn't have a Bible? Yeah. You didn't go to church? Yeah. You didn't hear this message? Yeah, I heard it. And you didn't do it? Oh, no, we didn't. I didn't do it. Slap yourself. It's like, they're going to look at you and like, why not? Why didn't you do the Bible? Why didn't you do the gospel? Why didn't you do the, the words of Jesus? I was scared. Or lazy. Or overwhelmed by the world. Or caught up into pleasure. Or, or caught up with problems. I was just bogged down. You know, I've just... I, this and that and everything. Here's what Pastor Moss told me and Debbie one time. He said, I, we were in his office in Gordo, Alabama. He said, he said, most people don't know it, but heaven is far more developed than they know. Far more developed. And we have kind of distilled it down to a, you just kind of go up there and you just stand around and look at your mansion and talk to Paul and Abraham and, and go see grandma and that's about as far as most people have developed heaven. You know, it's, it's kind of a big family reunion, and you get to go into the museum and, you know, find out the videos of what happened. It's far more developed than that. Far more intricate. There's all sorts of, of, of things going on there that we're going to see and understand before we come back for that thousand years. We don't know much. And think about how much more you know than some folks that are just barely saved. I mean, the Bible says in Peter, they're, got, they're in heaven as if by fire. Just by the hair of their chinny-chin-chin, they say, or the skin of their teeth, or by, by uh, chicken you know, teeth, or whatever it is. Like, how'd you get here? Ah, barely. <laughs> really. They're going to kindergarten as soon as they hit the doors. God's going to send them and say, kindergarten is way down this hall. And you got to go find out about Jesus. You got to go find, you got to go find out everything. Well, I don't know how much we'll, I don't know what we'll be third grade, maybe fifth grade. I don't know. You know, there's a lot to know. We judge ourselves by those around us and say, you know, we'll probably be college graduates. You know, maybe not. Maybe there's lots of things going on. There's places in, in the world where you cannot even be on staff with some ministries until you've raised somebody from the dead. Well, that's a little higher bar than we're used to in America. Debbie's grandfather used to say, you know, in this church you can borrow a Bible and preach. They were always looking for somebody to get up and share, you know. But miracles, don't you think that miracles are just a glimpse into the real realm of the Spirit? that it's kind of like a, a volcano. A volcano is just where what's in the earth spews out, and you get to see what's down in the earth by what comes out, you know, the lava and the all that stuff. Well, miracles are kind of what pops out in the earth and tells you what's in the spirit realm everywhere. We've kind of earthorized heaven instead of letting heaven overwhelm us.
And you have to pull on it all the time because we spend 99 and something percent of our time in the world thinking on worldly things, getting to work and, you know, picking up the groceries and mowing the grass instead of thinking and dwelling and meditating on the things of the Spirit, sitting down and just meditating on healing angels or on uh, 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 being translated like Philip was. He, was. he was in one place with the Ethiopian eunuch, and the Bible says he, he was in another place instantly. That was, you, we don't spend much time meditating on that. So no wonder we're, we're earthorized, if I can use that. No wonder we're carnal or natural, I should say, because that's where we live. You know, if you take a, a, an Asian an Oriental child, and put them on an Indian reservation, they're going to grow up speaking Choctaw or, or whatever. You know, it, it's, it's always amazing. I mean, it's refreshing. I don't want to get off there, but to see Oriental people that speak articulate English because you just think that the, the, the Orientals that, that have immigrated, they have a real uh, accent. Y'all know how they talk and how, how we talk. Even pe- people used to tell me, say something. You know, they'd be from up north. They'd say, say something. We want to hear you talk. Well, on the same course, we can be spiritual. But if we only immerse ourselves in the natural, we're going we're gonna to have a natural accent with, about our, our whole being. Um, so we're all pretty simple in the sense of, of the kingdom, but we ought to be experts at this. If, if not us, who? Who's, who's God going to raise up? Um, don't go there, but you know what it says in Ephesians chapter 4, verse 12. It says that, that God has set people in the church. He set the fivefold ministry in the church for the perfecting of the saints. Let's just turn there. I want y'all, I can quote it, but I, I want y'all to see. I want you to, let's get this imprinted. If we just do something this morning, let's do this. Ephesians. Chapter 4. we we got to get this right. I, I told somebody last night, I said, I could have scored last night. Alabama was so hot. I could. Coach, send me in. I'm, I'm better than a freshman. And that's, they're just scoring at will. And I, and I, Lord, I graduated a long time ago. And freshmen are doing it. I can do it. I think I could have. I think I could have made a first down anyway last night. Well, we here at River Church, send us in, Lord. We, we can do it. We can do it. Well, maybe I, probably I wouldn't have scored. The truth is, I probably got the hay knocked out of me. Hallelujah. Uh, verse 11, he gave some apostles and some prophets and some evangelists and some pastors and teachers. He gave them. He gave them. Why did he give them? Why did he give them? I mean, he's at, there's a question to be answered. He gave them, he said, four. So here it comes. The perfecting of the saints. Well, what do the saints do? For the work of the ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ. So it's, it's not the fivefold that do these things, although they do these things as the saints. But this isn't their job. This is our job. 
And so he's going to give some instructions and some insight to, uh, based on the gifting of these, these offices. But the whole thing is not so you can go to a meeting and see Brother Hagen or Brother Copeland or somebody, see them, Woo! did you see that gift? And did you see that healing? And did you see that? No, we don't go to... That's not what we go do is go see, and that's what we've done is to go see them do. Well, let's bring Aunt Nelda because, you know, the healing evangelist is there. Well, let's just go to our neighbor next door. He's got the power. He's a believer. Let's just go next door and get him to lay hands on us or give her to us. We've got to change it. You've got to see yourself as empowered and not, not let this. And, of course, the fivefold... It's a perversion of what they've done. They've set themselves up. Come see, come hear, come give, come do, because I'm here and I'm special. Yeah, you're special, but no more special than anybody out there. Just different. Just like the husband is the head of the house, doesn't make him special. It just means he's got this office and she's got that office, and we've just designated the offices, but, but he's no better or no greater or no anything more than she is. Just different. We just drew a line there. Right? Amen. So, you're called. You're called to do it. And I hadn't even got to this thing that I've got to get. Let's see if I can do that. Uh, what, what we found in our little book, and I didn't bring my book. Does everybody have a little book about the changing the atmosphere to produce miracles? I'll get you one. Does anybody need one? Everybody got one? Do you have one, Miss Mildred? Well, let, let me get you one. We're, they're out of print right now, but, but tomorrow they'll be back in print. Hallelujah. <laughs> Last week, I gave mine, Miss, Miss Denise was here, and she says, Can, and I just had one. I couldn't find another one to preach this message this morning. I had to come down here Friday and print me off one. <laughs> so, um, last week we looked at the first key to changing the atmosphere for miracles is simple obedience. Just whatever he says to you, do it. He's going to be saying, go to church, isn't he? And he's going to tell you what church to go to. He's going to lead you in scriptures. Of course, he's going to lead you into the Bible. But he's not leading you and I to go to Leviticus. Well, I'm doing my, you know, this month I'm reading out of Leviticus. That's all I'm reading is Leviticus. Boy, you're going to be, you're going to be tough to deal with. It's in there and it's in the Bible and you ought to know what's in it and you ought to, yeah. But he's not leading you to numbers. He's not reading you, leading you. He's re leading you to the Gospels. And then, so you can see what Jesus is doing in the Gospels uh, and, and, and get the love of God. That's the Gospels. But how the church operates and who we are, who we are, who we are, you don't get that in the Gospels, who we are. You get that in the Pauline revelation of the epistles. You're the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. You can do all things through him who empowers you and strengthens you. That's where we need to be, not Leviticus. If you read it, it's kind of like a special snack or something where we just need to know the Bible, but that's not where he's leading you. So here in, um, where are we? Simple obedience. Do what he tells you to do. He's going to tell you to go to church. He's going to tell you where to go to church. He's not going to tell you to go to a Leviticus church. That's what I was trying to say. 
where you just where you just get social issues, where you just say, y'all be good, y'all stay away from sin, uh, do good and stay away from sin and y'all do better. Y'all do better. It's just like, really? That's not the gospel. You need, you need to know what the heart of the kingdom is and, and, and catch hold of that. That's where He's leading you. He's going to lead you to pray. He's going to tell you, we need to pray about this. And He's going to lead you to pray. And He says, I'm going to show you how to pray, but you've got to start. You've got to get with somebody that's praying, and I'll lead you, teach you how to pray. You've got to meditate the Word. You've got to meditate. You can't just hear it on Sunday. Good enough, good enough, I got that. No, well, there's much more. We're just reading the table of contents on Sunday. we got to get in there, and you do that by meditation. So this morning, let's look at uh, uh, faith and desperation. That's the second thing to producing an atmosphere that's is, uh, that brings signs and wonders, is we have a faith and a desperation. It's not all bad that River Church is at its particular and specific place right now. There's lots of things that could be negative, and I don't like a bunch of it, but I say there's church, things that churches that are small can do better than big churches. There are things. We're just going to do them. We're just going to do them for right now, and then if that changes, fine. We don't have a singles group. We don't have a, a young adults. We don't have, you know, the just married. We don't have, we don't have just the... We, we, this morning, we don't even have nursery. But we don't need nursery. But if we need, if we needed nursery, we would. My point is, is there's a desperation in our faith that comes at this. That's physical. It's natural. It's real. When you go to a church that has a thousand people, you're so anonymous. You're so unaccountable. You're so out of the system. You can come if you want to. You can give if you want to. You can sleep if you want to. You can do anything. You're unaccountable. I guarantee you sleep in here. We all know it. We hear your snore. <laughs> I mean, it's not that we're trying to be make everybody accountable, but just by the sheer numbers, that's what happens. It's good to be accountable. It's a, it's a rigor that we all have to be in our life. I wish that everybody in America had to be in the military two years like Israel. We'd all be better citizens if we all were military for two years. We would get that mama's baby out of these men. We'd get that, that, uh, that crybaby girl. We'd get her straightened up. We'd all be better citizens if we went to the military because the church can't do it. We want to be military. We want to be disciplined. We want to have, but we can't do it in our culture right now. So, uh, you know, where we say, do this and do that. I had a pastor friend one time. I shouldn't tell you this. I'll tell it anyway. <laughs> he got frustrated with the finances of his church. I mean, this is a, this is a dear friend of mine, and he was just a, he was a cowboy anyway. And so he told everybody up on Sunday morning. He said, "How many of y'all are members of this church?" And they all raised their hand. He said, "Okay, we're having a meeting tonight, special church service tonight, and I want every family in this church to come back tonight and bring six hundred dollars." we got a financial need of this church. Everybody, every family, you go find it, you go borrow it, you go bring your credit card, whatever it takes, you bring $600, and you come back. If you don't have $600, if you don't bring $600, just drive on. Two families just drove on, but the rest of them came, and they all had $600, had $19,000, met the financial needs, and they were happy, happy, happy. 
Now, if I did this here, my thinking is that everybody would drive on because <laughs> we just don't think that way. I'm not that kind of guy, but the, he was that kind of guy. I, if I told you who it was, you'd say, yeah, he was. Uh, $600. Um, that's kind of a military thing where the pastor's really in charge. And if you don't like it, fine. We do it a little different here. We'll get it done a different way. By the way, tonight, <laughs> the stone throwers are going to be in Jemison, Alabama. So if y'all want to go, I'll show you the way. Hallelujah. Well, somebody's got to enter into this supernatural realm. Do y'all know that it doesn't happen because it's God's will for everybody to be healed, that if God wants me healed, he'll just heal me. If God wants this, this terrible pain in my hip or this migraine headache that, you know, you might have, that it's God's will to get rid of it, but it's not going to happen just because you have a need. He uses people to minister His grace. It's His system. You, you might not agree. You might not like it. You don't. It's the way He does it, and He gets to make the rules, and that's the rule He made. So we have to enter in to faith to do that. Um, in Matthew chapter 15, oh, I've got to... I've got to hurry on the one hand. Matthew 15. Someone's got to supersede the natural. If you have a financial need, somebody's got to supersede seed time and harvest. You didn't sow, you didn't reap, or whatever, or the devil's just hindering. Someone's got to supersede that. Someone's got to enter into faith to overcome that. You know, when Jesus was had 5,000 men and their families, and, and the disciples came and said, we're all hungry. He superseded five loaves and two fish and fed everybody and picked up 12 baskets. And another time, seven baskets. Your job is to supersede or to overcome that. You know, uh, an airplane, a jet, is metal. Metal is heavier than air. It can sit on the runway all day long, all year long. It will never rise. But there's a power called lift that if you can enact that power, that, that natural thing, you can supersede gravity. You can actually get that thing that weighs, you know, 12,000 pounds or whatever. You can actually get it to rise up into the sky. And uh, it's an amazing thing. But as soon as the engines shut off, you know, it's like a rock. It's going to go down. Well, the same thing with cancer, with natural, uh, with uh, poverty and need and all these things. They're natural. They're the curse. They're the devil. They're the result of sin. They're the result of bad seed time and harvest. They're the, it's the natural course of life, but there's a way to supersede it, and it's called faith. And all you have to do is engage the Word of God that is full of superseding the natural and engage it and point it, and it will happen. And you can do it. And you, can, you should do it. And that's what we're doing. We're going to create an atmosphere for the supernatural by everybody coming here and saying, we supersede the natural. With the Word of God in the name of Jesus, we supersede the natural. You got, you got arthritis? Yeah, it's real. The doctor saw it. It's right there. I saw it. It's on there. Uh, we have a history of that. It's there. It hurts. It won't work and everything. That's the way it is. Well, we'll have to supersede that. We'll have to we'll have to we'll have to introduce something that's greater than arthritis, greater than migraines, greater than your electric bill can't get paid. Matthew fifteen, 
verse 21. Y'all stay with me. I'm going somewhere with this. We're talking about faith and desperation. Jesus went thence and departed into the coasts of Tyre and Sidon. And behold, a woman of Canaan came out of the same coast and cried unto him, saying, Have mercy on me, O Lord, thou son of David. My daughter is grievously vexed with the devil. But he answered her not a word. And his disciples came and besought him, saying, Send her away, for she crieth after us. But he answered and said, I am not sent unto the lost sheep, but but unto the lost sheep of the house of Israel. What he was saying, he's saying, I'm here, but I'm not here for you. You got to know who you're here for. And then came she and worshipped him, saying, Lord, help me. And he said, It is not meet or not right to take the children's bread and to cast it to dogs. And she said, Truth, Lord, yet the dogs eat of the crumbs which fall from their master's table. What a witty comeback. What a faith-filled comeback. You could tell that didn't come out of her head, that it came out of meditation, came out of down here. She had a daughter that was not a light thing to her. It was not a, a, a trivial thing. This was her whole life. And she had no hope, no answer, no avenue, nobody that could tell her this could change. It could not change. It would not change. It was never going to change. The, the lifestyle of those people was that they were ever that way. But she had meditated. She had heard about Jesus. She had seen them talk about so-and-so had this, and Jesus came, and it's not that way anymore. And so she came to him, and this little thing that popped out of her about the crumbs was, was she had reasoned it out and saying, I'm going to get this. She had a desperation in her. It wasn't like, ah, if you can, that's fine. If you can't, that's fine. No, it was her whole life. She would just die, then, uh, then not let her daughter have every hope. And he, and, uh, he said, verse 28, she, uh, O woman, great is thy faith, be it unto thee even as thou wilt. And her daughter was made whole that very hour. I'm going to talk to you all just for a moment about the mechanics of creating an atmosphere for miracles. It's not mechanical. It's a heart issue. When we first got the Holy Ghost in 1980, we didn't know anything. We knew the sky was blue and the grass was green. We didn't know much more than that. I'm telling you, we were dumber than a rock, and that's not bad. Because you're an open slate, we didn't have religious thinking. And so we would have this Bible study. And, and, and I'm telling you, I didn't know anything. I was a Baptist boy, and I didn't know anything. You think you know something until they say, go teach somebody. And then you realize, I don't have anything. I just know some things, but I really don't know anything, nothing to teach. And so I would study all day long. I'd have to, I was farming, and I'd have to come home on uh, Wednesday or Thursday for that Bible study on Thursday night, and I'd study eight hours. I'm telling you, this well was dry. I was putting it in by the cup full, you know, just trying to put it in. And then that night, I would just share in 20 or 30 minutes everything that I'd learned all day long. I'd read Charles Capps. I'd read Kenneth Copeland. I read, I found Brother Hagin, and I just, I just, you know how it is. It just bloops out, and it's over. And then they would know everything that I knew that night because I just gave them everything. And we were all at the same speed. And then the next week, I would study again and put something in, and uh, we would say, well, I guess we should pray for people. That's what Christians do when they get together. And we would pray for people, 
and they got healed. Roger Miller, he was, yeah, he was backslid as he could be, but his wife was on fire. She was, she worked with Debbie, and so she came and brought Roger. <laughs> Mr. Grump Grump. And uh, so uh, she said, Roger's back's hurting. I'm fine. You know that, that type. I'm fine. Roger, you back hurting? Oh, just a little bit, but I, I, I can handle it. It's okay. I'm doing everything. Roger, let us pray for your back. No, it's fine. I don't want y'all touching me. Just he was he was grump grump. Finally, we said, "Well, we'll just we'll just touch you just a little bit, okay, just to get us over with." Well, he was in a lot of pain. Well, we just touched him. Be healed. Didn't even know how to do it, and he got healed. We were more surprised than anybody, and it started with that. So we started, we, there was somebody that had seizures. So we just prayed for them. We didn't know how. We just like, God help her, and prayed for her. No more seizures forever. It was a major, it was a child. It was a young woman. And it was like, once that thing gets on you, like God will back me, you, you're like a fire in the living room. You know, you're, you should be a fire in the chimney or in the fireplace, but we were, in the, we were under the furniture. We were, we were going everywhere. They were sending Baptist deacons by to check on us. What were we doing? Because the, because the report was getting out all over town, people were telling it. We weren't telling it. They were telling it. You know, my daughter had seizures, but now there's no more. And it, it, We had migraines every other day, and now they're gone. All, we didn't know what to do, but we just believed God. A desperation. God, if you don't do this, we have no theological background to fall back on. We don't have anything that we can say. We can explain why it didn't, or we know five ways. This We didn't know anything. I'm telling you, I studied all day long and just popped it out in 30 minutes. It was over. And I you know, stuttered and stammered and carried on when you don't really know something, but you kind of know at it. And that's how we started. That's all, that's all anybody can do when they start. You just start. And then, and it started working. That's what you and I are going to have to do. We're just going to have to say, ain't scared. Here I go. God, I'm desperate for you to back me up. But it's not me, it's you. One of our biggest testimonies was, a, and I've told this, but I just want to say it again, is we were farmers. And we weren't that good of farmers. I wasn't that good because I really couldn't just go farm. I had to do everything just right. And sometimes you spend more money than you can make when you do it that way. And my dad would just farm the whole world, and he just hit at it, and it, it worked for him. But that one year, we had bollworms come in. And it was August, and, and the, the, a cotton bowl is a hard green knot about the size of a golf ball. A little smaller, ping pong, and uh, and it's got fibers in it that are being formed, kind of like an, an embryo, uh, where the baby's being formed, and they're formed in there, and then as they uh, as they dry, as it matures, it all of a sudden the the five cloves of the bowl separate, and it opens up, and uh, the cotton then starts to dry, and it uh, becomes fluffy. And then, then the before you harvest it, the the cloves or the leaves of the not the leaves but the the shell, like a like a nutshell, 
will dry and you can go in there with a stripper and strip it out. It's wonderful. Well, the boll worm comes in there while it's green and bores through that outside clove and goes in and eats the, the core of it and it spoils, it rots. It's like drilling into a tomato or a peach or something, just drilling into that and just leaving it. It'll, it'll spoil from the inside out, and that's what the boll worm was doing. Well, there was a great infestation of them in West Texas that year, and it, they, the boll worms would just multiply, lay their eggs in there and multiply, and everybody's crop was under siege. Well, uh, we had about $150,000 in this crop, and it's all we had. All of it was borrowed money. Everything we ate, everything we drove, everything we farmed was all borrowed money, every dime of it. So there was no fallback for us. And my dad was not farming that long, so he didn't have anything more. It was critical that we pay out. We had a, a line set up at the bank of 150000 and we'd already spent all of it. And it was just August, and you got harvest ahead of you. So there's no money. You're going to have to go in there and just make some story up to the banker and say, I got to harvest it, and he, he knew that was right. But there was no bollworm money. Very expensive. You had airplanes fly over it three times to kill them because they would be up in that bowl, and the poison wouldn't go up in there. So you just had to kill what was on the outside on a leaf, and then another week come back and do it again, catch another crop of them out. It was just an expensive process. And you can't make any money at it. By the time you got through spraying, it, you saved your crop, but it took all of your crop to pay for the poison. It, we were desperate. But Debbie and I had been tithing, and we went over there and saw that in Malachi where it says, bring you all the tithe in the storehouse. And then it says, I will rebuke the devourer for your sake, where your leaf will not, where your vine will not cast its leaf before its time, or fruit before its time. And we saw that, and it said, that's us. So uh, we went... We took some Pompeii virgin olive oil, which means nothing. And we went up. We drove around all four corners of our farm. And we'd pour it out and said, God, your word says. I mean, we just got a little militant about it. Lord, it does say that, Lord. No fooling. It says it. And said, this is, God, we're desperate. If we, we're gone. We're, we don't even know what we'll do with our lives, and how will we pay back a hundred and something thousand dollars? How will we pay that back? It, it just looked terrible, and everybody was spraying. And so they, they didn't believe. So we, we, we prayed that, went to all four corners, and said, God, we give it to you, and we did not spray, which makes the bankers mad because you don't have any crop. At least you just were going to be out your spraying bill, 30000 40000 but you would at least bring in 100000 of saved crop and go again. And we didn't want that. It's kind of like going for two for the win in football. You know, you're either going to win or you're going to lose, but it's, you, you, you're throwing it right there. No, no overtime. We didn't have any worms. We had no worms. So the word got out, you know, because they say, uh, you know, what's your spraying bill? Well, I didn't spray. <gasps> That's just unthinkable. You know, you, you can't not spray. And they said, uh, so they're eating you up, huh? They wouldn't go with you. They're eating you up. Just, you know, I said, no, we don't have worm. Everybody had worms. It's like, like a leper colony. You know, you don't have leprosy. <laughs> and so they said that they went out there on Sunday when we went to church. They knew we went to church. They would go out there and walk through my field. And there's no worms. We had a great crop and paid out that year. 
Once that happens to you, you're changed forever. Because everybody around us sprayed and they had immediate, you know, that just gets it. That doesn't even get all the worms. That just, we didn't have any worms. And that was a miracle. Well, that came from a desperate faith. We didn't say, I'll give you my firstborn or I'll, you know, I'll go to India and be a missionary. We just said, God, your word says. And it changed everything. Uh, Colin one time broke his arm and we were going to a camp meeting in Tulsa. And his, her mother was going to keep Colin. And he broke his arm on Friday right before. And she said, I'll handle it. I'll handle it. So we took him down there and they x-rayed it. And you all know the story. It, it was broke. You could see the break. It was not like a doctor's call. I could see the break. We all did. So we went to Tulsa. And then on Monday, he said, we're going to put it in the cast on uh, Monday. It's too swollen. Monday, they went back and they said, you know, we're going to x-ray it so we'll know exactly where. And then they got another doctor to come in. And then they got a third doctor to come in. And you know the story. His arm was, we prayed. I forgot to say that part. On Friday, we prayed and said, God, you know, we got to go to Tulsa. We don't, he didn't have a cast and his arm is perfect. Uh, another story about us is that we were desperate, is that uh, we, we didn't know anybody that had money and we needed money. This is uh, about 10 years ago. And Colin, we'd moved out of uh, our house on Potomac Court, and Colin moved in, and he got an envelope in the mail, and uh, he said, I started to throw it away, but I kept it. We got it. It was in a plain envelope, like, you know, envelopes that you throw away. And it had a $9,000 check from some friends that we had, and on the note on it said, just wanted to be a blessing, $9,000. Listen, when I want to be a blessing, I... I give $20, be blessed, 50, woo, really, be, be, be blessed. This was nine grand, and they just kind of nonchalantly says, yeah, we just, you know, had it in our heart to, whoo-hoo. That was, a, it was a miracle. It was a miracle, because we weren't telling anybody. You know how that works. And then you may not know this story, but a number of years ago, Pastor Eric West, this is one reason he's such a good friend to me, he had somebody in his church, I believed God with him, that, uh, that went off and did a business uh, down south, South Alabama, down in Monroeville, and his partners cashed out. They sold the business, and his part was uh, was uh, uh, t- uh, 2.75 million was his part, and he tithed it back to his home church there in Clanton, Pastor Eric West. So he tithed 275 thousand dollars. Pastor West, in turn, tithed to Word of Life $30,000. You know, nobody thinks about it when a church doesn't tithe or doesn't whatever. But he brought the tithe. He said they got the check on Monday morning and drove the check over here on Monday afternoon. They knew it had to be in the ground. We were funded. We didn't have it. We, we, we had $30,000 worth of credit card debt at the church. Paid it off. I'm just, I'm setting this up. You've got to get into an atmosphere of miracles. We're not, we don't live from paycheck to paycheck, and we don't live from dreaded one out of three people get cancer, and one out of four get this, and one out of, we don't live that. You can, but you don't have to. And you go, well, it's a lot of work to learn all this. No, it's a childlike faith that just says, God's good. We sang it this morning, but believing it is what's got to happen. You've got to just say, this is no problem. And I ain't scared. 
I ain't scared of cancer. I ain't scared of running out of money. I'm telling you, I am indomitable about money. When you get the worms taken out, when you have someone send you a $9,000 check, when you get someone that just says, we got this really great check and we want to tithe on our tithe, God just comes through every time. It doesn't mean sometimes there's not a stretch, but I'm telling you, I am a personal testimony that the supernatural is there to be had. You go, well, you're the preacher. I'm, I'm telling you, it works for everybody. Because all my stuff, almost all my stuff has been on the personal side. It hasn't even been in the ministry. But I could tell you some other stuff uh, about it. I'll tell you sometime, not today, but about our trip to Alabama. I'm telling you, we came to Alabama with $3,000 cash, no job, no support, had a $560 car payment. Our first month's rent at, in Birmingham waiting on, on a house was $1,100, and our U-Haul was $1,200. It all came out of that $3,000, and we had no job. And when you go to borrow, they said, you need a history of two years before we'll... You can't have any money until you have a two-year history. We didn't have a two-week history, and nobody would do this. I would tell you, don't do it. Don't move to Alabama with $3,000 and these kinds of obligations and have a family. It was me and Debbie and Eric. He was in the eighth grade. I would say don't do it, but we did it. It was the gift of faith. Y'all know that gift of faith, of supernatural faith, one of the nine gifts? That was on us. We could only see God's supply. And we were almost giddy. We were almost like, ha, we're out here, God. We pulled the trigger. We're here. So look who's you got to take care of. I mean, it, we, were, we were not even afraid. It was like, this is an adventure. This makes you strong. This, when you go through this, let me tell you, you must go through this. You will never be able to do what God's called you to do until you've hunkered down with your faith and passed to the other side. You go, I don't want that. Well, you won't ever, you won't ever be able to do anything for God, really. Is it suffering? No, it's just you've got to prove God in your life. And it's not just like, well, Lord, I'm believing you for the big boat instead of the medium boat, and so if it doesn't work out, we'll just get the... And we're talking about where you're not eating or you're not you're embarrassed or whatever. And y'all have been. Everybody in this room has had the bullet in their mouth and had to bite. You bit the bullet. But in case you haven't, let me tell you, it is in your future. Or you're going to have a mundane, mediocre, fear-filled, ordinary life. Ordinary by the world. But if you want to soar with the eagles, just be fearless. Just say ain't scared. Don't care. Don't care. Either God's God, His Word's true, or it's all a big laugh anyway. And I'm telling you, it's true. I am proof of it. If you can believe me, you can believe this Word because I have proved it every way. You know, our joke is, is when you see the kitchen sink going by for the third time, you know the devil's run out of new stuff. He's just cycling old stuff around. I got lots more, but we don't need more. We just need to put on a desperate faith. You want miracles in your life? You got to make a place where a miracle is required. If you only play it safe, if you only give, you know, well, I'm going to give $3 or I'm going to, you know, just, I'm not going to come pray. If you, if you live that life that's always fearful, it'll never get better. 
But if you ever just jump through this place, this 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 into this realm of it's just you and your faith, you'll be so amazed how easy it is. So Father, we just thank you right now for for even the witness of what you've done for me, permeating our unbelieving, any any area that's unbelieving, any area that's doubtful, any area that's been afraid. Lord, your word is enough, but certainly the testimony of someone that's walked it out. And we all have testimonies, but Lord, mine is is just is so real to me. It's so powerful and it's so consistent. And you've never not got us to the other side. So Lord, I thank you right now that this place be filled with a believing for other people. Lord, that you build us on the inside so we can carry this city or whatever else you want us to do, Lord, so that we'll be strong in these end days. The rapture didn't come this weekend, Lord, so we've got an opportunity now to, <laughs> to go show the gospel and demonstrate it. Lord, we take our hands. Just take your hands right there. Lord, in these hands... There's, they seem so ordinary. They, I'm so familiar with them. Lord, we are so used to these hands being just hands. But Lord, they are so powerful if we'll just direct them. And Lord, the words out of our mouth, we talk all the time. But Lord, your words in our mouth will move mountains, will we'll make diseases leave, will cause money to come. Lord, we'll dismiss devils. And, and powers of evil, Lord, we are something else in you. So we just believe, Lord. We just we're not we're not afraid anymore. Lord, mark this day for a supernatural fall that we are not afraid anymore. We're going to believe your word, and by that, Lord, corporately we create an atmosphere for miracles. Lord, let people that walk in that door right there in front of that mirror, as soon as they hit that realm right there, into this room. Let the supernatural begin to affect them. Let, the, let this atmosphere in here be sanctified and purified, that this is the no impossible zone. And Lord, anybody can come here and be changed because of what you're doing in this place. We access the portal that many have seen and said is over this particular building at this time for your glory, Lord. We access that with our faith and we believe that everything in our lives is subject to change. And we put that stuff out there for you to change. I speak to stomach troubles right now. Anyone with stomach trouble, digestive troubles, and I tell you to be healed now in Jesus' name. I speak to all joints, every joint, the back joint, the lower back, and the hips, knees, ankles, and ufrahede and neck in Jesus' name. I, I speak calm and rest to your bones and to the nerves there, all pinched nerves, all nerves that are irritated and inflamed. I speak restoration unto you now. Right now, I loose the ability of Holy Spirit into your body, and I tell you to rise up and walk and rise up and be pain-free in the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus. Jesus, we want you to get all the glory. But to do that, Lord, we've got to we've got to detach ourselves. It's not me that failed. It's not me that didn't do it. It's not me that didn't. It's you, Lord, that's on the line. Not me. You by your word. And Lord, I completely sever myself 
from any ability to do anything for anybody with any means. It's all you. But Lord, I release my faith for it to happen. Come on, let's all just agree right now. We're all just going to loose our faith. Lord, put us in the right spot, which is just all the time. And Lord, we'll, we'll listen for you to say, do it. And we'll step out because we ain't scared. Lord, no more. We're not afraid anymore. Lord, I thank you right now for a supernatural work in Tuscaloosa. And Lord, let us be a part, I pray. In the name of Jesus, amen. Amen. Woohoo! Praise you, Lord. Amen. Isn't Jesus wonderful? Does anybody have anything going on in your body right now or any other situation that we can agree with you? You might be a Roger Miller. No, I'm fine. I don't need anything. Oh, come on. Get, get up there and let him pray for you. No, I'm fine. Leave me alone. <laughs> I can remember it. It was years ago, 37. And it's like, ah, Roger got healed that night. <laughs> Anybody tonight, this morning? Okay, y'all are good. Okay, that's how it should be. Amen. Melissa, do you have something you want to share? I'm telling you, power of God, power of God, come on. We're so excited for y'all. They're moving to Columbus, Mississippi, but they're not changing churches, y'all. I'm not the horse's mouth, but I, I, I stood next to the horse when the horse's mouth said, it'd be easier to drive from Columbus two times than it is to drive to Columbus five times. So y'all don't be surprised when people say this word is worth sacrificing to, to get. I talked to a couple yesterday, and they said, we live 40 miles away, and we've tried to find another church. And I'm not bragging on this. I'm just saying, it's the Word. It's not me. It's the Word. And, uh, and, uh, and then I talked to a couple the week before that, and they said, where would we go? Where would we go that has the Word, has that faith that's in you know, it's not just that it's a good sermon or anything. It's everything. Where you go to church makes the difference between life and death. And I'll tell you, we'll prove it out before this is over. Amen. So anyway, we're proud of what the Lord started, and we're going to let Him finish it. Amen. I'm so glad they got closed. They're closing, and they're getting in their new happy home. Anything else? Justin, you got something? You're content. Well, amen. Well, Lord, I bless this content church in Jesus' name, and I thank you for the good work you're doing in us and for us and through us. And we are expecting, Lord, we're expecting good things before you do actually do come and get us in the rapture. Lord, we, we know that's coming, but we are excited about what you're going to do in our lives until then. We bless you in Jesus' name. Amen.